Knack knack. Who's there? Uh, yeah, I'd rather not share that with you. Hey, no sweat. Come on in. Make yourself at home and take anything you want. Wait, you wouldn't let a stranger in your house. Why would you let anonymous traffic scrape your website? Introducing IP Info's Privacy Detection API, a fast and simple way to detect malicious traffic. Activate your free trial today at ipinfo.io. And don't forget to use the promo code CODESTORY at checkout. Part of what it means, I think, to be a venture-backed startup is there is a fiduciary duty and an expectation to create a return uh, that's significant you know, to our investors and shareholders. And so our job is to grow as quickly as we possibly can uh, and to p- create a 10x return at minimum. So scalability really comes down to finding growth mechanisms that uh, allow us to bring on large groups of customers and merchants at any given period of time and to successfully onboard them and help them succeed with our product. My name is Justin Clegg, and I'm the founder and CEO of Allset. This is Code Story, the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries, who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host, Noah Laphart, and today how Justin Clegg ventured out to simplify payments, specifically for home service businesses. All this and more on Code Story. Justin Clegg grew up all around the world, living in countries like Puerto Rico, Mexico City, and Brazil. He spent two years on mission in Africa and five years in India as well. Through these experiences, he has learned empathy, gratitude, and how to be a better listener. He's multilingual, and interestingly, he mentioned that selling religion helped him to be better at sales. Outside of tech, he digs the mountains and playing sports, specifically tennis and indoor soccer. Justin had a pivotal experience with a handyman helping him at his home. When it came time to pay this person, he was unable to do so because the handyman didn't accept forms of payment Justin had available to him. He decided to build something to fix this and onboarded said handyman as his first merchant customer. This is the creation story of Allset. Allset is a payments and communications platform for home service businesses. So we define a home service business as a tradesperson, plumbers, HVAC, roofing, painters, or you could have cleaners like carpet cleaning, window washing, or a maid service, or even outdoor care businesses. And so there are 5 million of these businesses in North America. And the key problem that Allset is solving is that these tradespeople are very good at their trade, Uh, But when it comes to running and operating their business, they're not very good at it. And so Allset is designed to run in the background for these professionals and help them and provide them with the tools to be able to easily accept payments by text, also to be able to capture reviews and referrals and also uh, handle automated communication. One of our biggest value adds as a company is we help eliminate credit card processing fees. So most business owners today are seeing about three to 4% in fees per year. And so our product helps pass those fees on to their client in a very compliant way. 
We started the business because I had a handyman who personally came to my home. He uh, helped me do a great job at installing a few things. And when it came time to pay him, I didn't have a way to do so. So I didn't carry cash. I don't have checkbooks. Uh, and I offered to pay him with Venmo and he didn't use Venmo. And so he ended up writing on a piece of paper an invoice. He took a photo of it and then emailed me and I still couldn't pay him. And so fast forward, that merchant or that individual would become Allset's first merchant. And we onboarded him in about a 10 minute process. And he sent over the first invoice through text using our own product. And we figured out that we were able to take about 1% off of that transaction. That was kind of the, the founding story of our business. And, you know, we're now about 30,000 transactions later and have done over two and a half, around two and a half million in annualized payments or GMV. So tell me about the MVP. Tell me about that first product you built, you know, with that first vendor. How, how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life? Yeah, we started building uh, the company and even a previous version of, of Allset about two years ago, dating back to October 2020. We started off with an MVP that was actually centered around SMS-based tipping. And so we discovered that when prompted through text, Americans uh, will leave an average $25 tip. So we kind of woke up and scratched our heads and said, why would somebody leave a tip you know, on our platform with a text? And so we dug our heels in and we saw that we could get about a 16% conversion rate from text message sent to tip received. And business owners love that because we saw over the last couple of years, you know, a great resignation, uh, challenges with employee retention, you know, it's really difficult to compete with Walmart and Costco in terms of paying fair wages to your staff and keeping your best people. And so business owners really gravitated towards that. And so tipping became our wedge into opening up the customer's wallet. We then built out a number of integrations with field service CRMs and scheduling tools that allowed us to leverage that data and then send automated and timely messages to those homeowners after a service was completed. And so Allset really started as a text message-based tipping platform that then evolved into a full payments platform with a number of communications features that have followed along. Okay, when you're building any MVP, you've got to make certain decisions and trade-offs, and you alluded to some of them with starting with the SMS tipping. But dive into some more. You know, maybe it's around integrations. Maybe it's around how you built the product behind the scenes. Tell me about those decisions and trade-offs you had to make, and how you coped with those decisions. When building an MVP, uh, I think it was Reid Hoffman, one of the co-founders of LinkedIn, who said you should never be proud of the first version of the product you ship. And so I think the, the insight there is interesting because uh, you need to get products into market quickly and you need to determine if it actually solves a pain and two, if that product solves a pain that's big enough for them to actually want to pay for it. You know, a lot of people have great ideas, but it really comes down to the execution and, you know, does this product solve enough pain that, you know, a customer is going to actually pull out their wallet and sign up for a subscription. First goal in any MVP is really getting to that first customer. And once you have a customer, 
uh, who is willing to transact in exchange, you know, money for value of your your product or feature or service, then you know the goal becomes how do you get ten more, or how do you go get the next hundred? And so um, I think that's probably a, a principles first thinking around MVP development. And you have to build lightweight versions of the product. They're often ugly. They're simple. And so we went through a number of iterations. Of course, like many startups,、um, we built an app that, as it turns out, no one wanted to download because tradespeople are busy. They don't want to take the time to go and search for an app, download it, learn the new UI, and then get trained on it. You know, they just want to get the job done. And so that led us into pursuing SMS as a key channel to be able to send out automated messages for them,、uh, so that it would run in the background and they could set it and forget it. So those are just a few thoughts around how we've thought about our MVP. From that point, then, so you've got your working MVP. How did you progress the product and mature it? And what I'm curious about in that question is is how you built your roadmap. And how you went about deciding? Okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to address with Allset. I mean, if we had, you know, the, the holy grail of、uh, what what that would be, you know, I, I don't think any of us would be working anymore. <laughs> and so it's something we're, we're we're constantly looking for and searching for. And so, kind of the way we do that is is we spend a lot of time doing customer research.、Um, we have a world class go to market team. That spends time、uh, talking to our customers, and we're on the phone. We're at trade show events. We're meeting these folks face to face, and I think one of the important things、uh, is more than just selling them on our product. It's learning about who they are, what their needs are, and what their biggest pain points look like. And so I think those are things that we're always asking about: How does the world work today? What is the status quo? What would you like the world to look like? And so I think those are things that we are constantly、uh, searching and asking our customers for, which in turn turns into user feedback, which then informs our roadmap, informs our engineering and product efforts, and it helps us know what to prioritize. When you start hearing the same thing surfacing over and over again, or a similar commonality, then it really becomes a prioritized feature, and you end up making a large group of your customers happy、uh, once that's been shipped. Let's switch to team then. So, how did you go about building your team, and what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? I like to think I'm kind of the dumbest guy in the room. I think our team here at Allset has formed、uh, in a really organic and incredible way. So, either through introductions from past relationships or contacts or past companies, and I think it really comes down to one timing. And then two risk tolerance, and so、uh, the folks that I'm working with could be working at a lot of different places,、um, and you kind of want that、uh, at this stage. You want people who are attractive in the market and who、uh, are very competitive, and so we look for A players. I, I think A players hire A players. B and C players find C and D players, <laughs> and so yeah, we we tend to look for high caliber grit. And then you know people that really align with our company values, which are you know instill confidence, take initiative, and leave people better.
All of the folks that I work with are stand-up men and women, good folks and leaders in the community, and want to truly leave people better. And we see that pour into our investor relationships, our customer relationships, into our own culture here at the office. And so we think that's a really important thing. And, you know, in our early stages, uh, it's important to get right uh, and hard to maintain. Let's flip to scalability. This will be interesting. It's always interesting to hear how this is approached or not approached in the beginning. So did you build this to scale efficiently from day one or are you fighting this as you grow and gain traction? Part of what it means, I think, to be a venture-backed startup is there is a fiduciary duty and an expectation to create a return uh, that's significant you know, to our investors and shareholders. And so our job is to grow as quickly as we possibly can uh, and to create a 10x return at minimum, you know, to our, our existing investors and potential investors. And so as a result, you know, we've been given the opportunity to get access to working capital, which allows us to hire and invest in go-to-market, in engineering and research and development. So scalability is now, um, it really comes down to finding growth mechanisms that uh, allow us to bring on large groups of customers and merchants at any given period of time and to successfully onboard them and help them succeed with our product. And so I, I think one thing that we've thought about is knowing that selling into this industry is difficult. Trades people and service business providers, uh, again, I've mentioned they're busy. Asking them to pay uh, upfront for a subscription can be difficult. So one thing we've spent a lot of time evolving and building around is a freemium model where we can actually give our product away for free and just take uh, money off of the on-platform transactions. And so uh, it's uh, an incredible revenue stream um, in addition to SaaS, but that takes work and it takes a lot of effort uh, to be able to scale and you know get tens of thousands of merchants on the platform and also processing tens, if not hundreds of millions in GMV each year. Well, Justin, as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built, what are you most proud of? I'm afraid of heights, so I don't know if I'd go too close to the balcony, but no, just <laughs> Utah's ecosystem it is growing at a really exciting pace. And we're happy to be at the table and to have an opportunity to, to grow and learn and scale. You know, we're learning from uh, the best, right? We've seen companies like Weave and Divi and Qualtrics locally that have scaled very quickly, that have incredible talent pools, that have great exit stories. You know, for us, I, I don't think, you know, I think success is still a long ways out and risk is high and I think there's a lot of opportunities. Personally, I don't think we have anything to really gloat or celebrate right now. I think it's more, we're just heads down taking this thing on day by day. We're very much in the trenches and you know we're looking for great people who align with our values, who wanna come help us build uh, this company and change the way that payments and communications take place in the home services industry. Let's flip the script a little bit. So tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it. Oh, man, uh, we make a lot of mistakes. Uh, and I think those can be product mistakes. They can be hiring mistakes. Um, the goal is, is to mitigate 
and reduce the number of mistakes and overall risk to the business. And so um, I think in early days, you know, we've brought on hires that uh, were hired more out of need or even desperation versus actual quality. And so I think it's, it's a little bit of a game of patience and, you know, waiting for the best possible individual or leader um, to join the business uh, when it's the right time. And so hiring mistakes happen. And I think you learn from those, you move on quickly. Uh, I, I think responding to that is, is you just act quickly with conviction, you get consensus with your team, and you make sure that that individual, you know, has a, a soft landing pad is taken care of and is left better than, uh, you know, when they originally came to the business. So I, I'd say either hiring or product mistakes. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll make more mistakes in the future, but we just want to be self-aware and, and uh, limit those as much as possible. Well, this will be exciting to hear. So what does the future look like for the product and for your team? Allset, you know, is positioned to be not only one of Utah's fastest growing companies, we're also positioned to own the entire financial operating system and payment stack for home service businesses. So what that looks like is, you know, we have replaced cash payments, check, Venmo, Zelle, Cash App, Name your peer-to-peer payments app that is often under the table, often not PCI compliant. If we're successful, uh, we've changed how homeowners interact with their home service providers in a more convenient and frictionless way. We've changed how home service businesses operate and run their business and manage their payments. We've helped them get paid faster We've eliminated fees and we've helped them save hundreds of thousands of dollars over the course of their business. And, uh, you know, we've hopefully changed an industry that's really been underserved and ignored over the last, well, forever. And we want to get that up to speed with companies that are, you know, more modern, like Instacarts or DoorDash or Lyfts of the world. Uh, our experience needs to be mobile first, uh, but that's kind of our vision is help every home service business um, unlock revenue, help them uh, get access to more working capital so that they can run and grow their business. We'd love to invite listeners to check us out at tryallset.com. If you know a home service provider or a home service business uh, that's dealing with excessive credit card card fees, send them our way. Uh, Come and talk to us. We've got a team that's excited to help onboard And most of us have family and friends that work in the trades or in a home service business. So let them know you listen to this podcast, uh, share the link, uh, and head over to tryallset.com. Let's switch to you, Justin. So who influences the way that you work? Name someone or multiple someones or something you look up to and why. I think over the years, uh, I've had the opportunity to meet with a lot of really great mentors, mentors who've had multi-billion dollar exits from tech companies. Uh, They're folks that are currently in the trenches um, and leading. So, you know, I I look at uh, folks like, you know, Clayton Christensen, who's uh, no longer living, but very um, in tune with faith, you know, values that are personal, and then also just a very successful business leader teaching at Harvard, writing books like Innovator's Dilemma, coining phrases like, you know, disruptive innovation. I love learning from from investors, right? We are lucky to have investors uh, like 
foundation capital and pair and mucker uh, that we get a chance to meet with who have been in our seats uh, who've been successful and have had successful exits and so those folks we're learning from constantly not only by the things that they're saying and how they're instructing us to think about our business but really the things that they don't say and uh, so we're we're learning a lot from them and, and we we view those those folks as mess as uh, you know as mentors we talked about a mistake earlier, but a little bit different spin. If you could go back to the beginning, what would you do different or where would you consider taking a different approach? That's always a hindsight 2020 question that, that can be difficult when people I think are successful. It's easy to tell the story of, hey, we wouldn't have changed anything because we're here. I feel very proud of the company, the trajectory, the culture. I mean, we've built a team that has grown from zero, you know, to hundreds of thousands in revenue, you know, in really just the last six months. And so there, there's a lot of things that, you know, we would do differently, but not a lot. Uh, if that makes sense, I, I would say, you know, just continuing to brace ourselves for markets, you know, to hire more conservatively, to preserve cash in every way we can. You know, I think frugality and, and building that into your team and culture goes a long way. And so I, I think I wouldn't change a lot, to be honest with you. I, I've been really proud of, of the, the team and the mission and the vision that we're pursuing today. Well, last question, Justin. So you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing. They're jazzed about it. They can't wait to show it off to the world. Can't wait to show it off to you right there on the plane. What advice do you give that person having gone down this road a bit? Well, if it's a successful company, I'd ask if I could invest. <laughs> That's the entrepreneur's answer, right? <laughs> sure. I would say, look, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. You have to love the problem that you're solving. Be deeply passionate about it. You have to um, love the team that you're working with. And if those things aren't aligned with where you're at in your values, you know, then it's it's probably going to be difficult to stay in the game through hard things and hard situations. The second, I think, piece of advice is just enjoy uh, the, the, the difficulty and, and the roller coaster. Startups by nature are volatile, right? It is in many ways irrational to be a startup founder. We're overworked, we're underpaid. Uh, we have pressure from all kinds of angles. And so it's important to enjoy the day and enjoy playing into your strengths and then surround yourself with great people who can uh, build off of your weaknesses or uh, pad those weaknesses in different ways. So th those would just be some thoughts that, that I'd share, but I'd probably have a lot more to learn from that, that individual than, than I'd be able to share. So I think both of those pieces are fantastic advice. Well, Justin, thank you for being on the show today. And thank you for telling the creation story of Allset. Thanks for having me, Noah. And this concludes another chapter of Code Story. Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.